Good morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, the Lakers are heading into the trade deadline. That is on Thursday. Kendrick Nunn went through shoot-around and has been improving, apparently. Maybe his return is right around the corner. So, depending on what the Lakers can pull off at the trade deadline and whether they are confident in Kendrick Nunn being able to help at, at all this season, those minutes at the point guard spot or at the guard spots are getting a little tight. And given the roller coaster that is Russell Westbrook, I think it might be time to ask that question whether the Lakers might be best suited just cutting bait. This will be positive and uplifting and popular. Let's go. Let's set the scene and offer some context under which we're having this conversation. This is well-treaded territory, right? The Lakers sent out KCP, Kyle Kuzma, and Montrezl Harrell uh, as, as, as players who could help right now. In, uh, in return, they got Russell Westbrook. A step further beyond that, as it turns out, is that because both the Lakers front office undervalued Caruso and because of financial restraints uh, they let Caruso just walk for nothing so either directly or indirectly the Lakers essentially swapped out Caruso KCP Kuzma and Montrez Harrell for Russell Westbrook and you know <laughs> uh, so Westbrook is also coming off of his worst game, I think, to this point with the Lakers when you consider everything, that LeBron and AD were there, DeAndre Jordan was not playing and in, in, in the rotation, Dwight Howard also not playing in the rotation, Rajon Rondo is in Cleveland, Kent Bazemore out of the rotation. So the theory was that, look, when AD, Russ, and LeBron are playing together without the likes of DeAndre, uh, Rajon, and without Kent Bazemore and even Dwight Howard, that the Lakers looked, you know, pretty good, right? And I think the number was set at about, yeah, 14 or so before uh, this last game against the Knicks. And then Russ played arguably his worst game of the season. And so this might not be the best time to be having this conversation. It is going to be weighted by confirmation bias and, and recency bias. But when it comes to what the Lakers need from their point guard, when you have LeBron and AD out there, you need a solid player who the defense has to care at least a little bit about uh, on uh, at the three-point line, and a solid defensive defensive player, somebody who isn't going to kill you, even if they they might get targeted from time to time. You need a player who won't kill you on the defensive side with a lack of attentiveness and and just unpredictability. Russell Westbrook is none of those things. He has never been any of those things. When the Lakers traded for him, there was I, I, there was even a reported conversation between Russ. AD and LeBron about what the three of those guys need to do to be able to make this work. And I think what we have seen over the course of the season is Russ becoming the absolute worst version of himself where he is doing all of the things that he thinks can lift the team around him that actually kind of hurt, right? The, the, the bank shots that are almost knocking the basket over 
turnovers, uh, diving in on steals and putting your defense in, in worse spots without the payoff of like explosive games. I think that the Lakers have gotten maybe a couple games that you say, all right, Russ won them that game. Uh, there have been games that Russ has kept them in it, but then at the end of those games, we see because Russ is, in my opinion, one of the worst great players, because uh, he is a great all-time player, but he is one of the worst great players in the clutch that I have ever seen. Like, <laughs> it's it's really bad. And when LeBron wasn't around, Russ would be enough to maybe keep you in it. Maybe you make a late run to get back into it. And then the last couple minutes of the game, the ball is in Russ's hands uh, from, from, you know, throughout those clutch minutes. And, you know, maybe he makes a play here and there, but he also has a couple turnovers that kill you, bad shot selection, and you wind up losing. And and look, I, I'm, I'm probably lower on Russ than maybe I need to be, but those all of those things need to be pointed out. Anyway, that's the context under which we're having this conversation, that he is coming off of the worst game that he has played as a Laker, expectations uh, included into the math there, and the Lakers are heading into a trade deadline where they're going to be looking to make some to, to maybe make some adjustments to the roster and maybe one big one. And one of the big ones here that has been on the table, apparently, is that you know Houston is willing to swap out uh, John Wall for Russell Westbrook so long as the Lakers compensate them draft-wise. I don't think it should be the first rounder that they have in 2027, but I do think we have reached a point where they have to consider a second rounder for Wall, even if you're not getting anything whatsoever from Wall this season. I think Russ has been actively harmful, detrimental to this Lakers team, and we need to try to figure out what all this means. So far this season, Russell Westbrook has played more minutes than anybody on the Lakers, and credit to him for being available like that. Uh, However, in those minutes... While he has been on the court, the Lakers are scoring at a rate of 106.3 points per 100 possessions, and they are defending at a rate. They are giving up 109.4 points per 100 possessions, which means that the Lakers, in those minutes while Russ is on the court, are negative 3.1 points per 100 possessions uh, worse than their opponents. When he is on the bench, uh, the, the Lakers are scoring at a rate, offense doesn't change much, they're scoring at a rate of 106.1 points per 100 possessions, and they are defending, however, at a, at a significantly different rate. They are defending at a rate of 104.5 points per 100 possessions. So that net rating, when Russ is on the bench, is a positive 1.6. So if you combine... The negative 3.1 and the positive 1.6, you're looking at a shade under 5 points per 100 possessions that the Lakers are are worse um, as a result of Russell Westbrook's play this season. They are, they are, the, the net rating there is uh, 5-ish points per 100 possessions. It's just bad. It's just, it, you can't have somebody play more minutes than everybody else uh, in part because of injuries, granted. And maybe some of these numbers are different if some of the guys that the Lakers uh, that would normally be playing more than Russ, uh, maybe those numbers look different if some of those guys are available. 
all fair to point out. Fact is, though, the Lakers are going to be making some of these decisions somewhat blind because of the way that injuries have played out. They only have three days here uh, before the trade deadline. This is not ideal circumstances, and this is a giant decision that they are going to be making here. But the fact of the matter is, Russ has not carried the load in ways that we were told he was going to if and when LeBron isn't available. When LeBron has been available and Russ has been handling those lineups without LeBron on the court, it has gone to shit. And and this doesn't seem like it is going to be changing in in a vacuum, let alone as we get closer to the playoffs where in that setting, Russ has been repeatedly taken out of series. So that's another thing that we need to factor in here. If the goal this season is to win a championship and we've already seen regular season Russell Westbrook not exactly blow us out of the water, uh, if you're thinking that that's going to get better in the playoffs, I just disagree because we have seen that movie before. Now, the argument for continuing to see how things go here with Russ is that if you are just allowing Russ to either you either swap him out here with with John Wall and end the experiment now or whether you give up draft capital and and try to bring in somebody elsewhere like no matter how this goes e- even if you just tell the guy to walk away for the remainder of the season cuz that's not necessarily off of the table uh, I, I, credit to Russ. He said all the right things after the game and f- credit to him for saying anything at all after that game, uh, both because of the crowd's reactions to him and because of Frank Vogel's benching. But we also need to point out here, though, that he was not happy on that bench and had to be basically consoled for the remainder of the game while he sat there. And look, if 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 he's going to kind of mope at all, as the Lakers do what they have to to win this season, then that's even more reason to say, all right, sayonara, bud. But for the Lakers here, as they try to make this decision, part of the math that they got to do here is THT hasn't been good this year. Not even like hasn't met expectations. He's flatly not been good. You are then relying on Malik Monk, who is the probably most productive uh, story on the Lakers and somebody who I'm trying to find any which way that the Lakers might be able to keep him in this upcoming offseason, but not necessarily known for consistency in his previous stint uh, with the Hornets. And then an undrafted free agent rookie in Austin Reeves, who, you know, I look, he has held up very well when it comes to being targeted on defense. But if he gets targeted by better teams and by better players, will he hold up that same way? I think that's a fair question to ask. And then the other, the fourth part of that equation there is a player in Kendrick Nunn. We haven't seen at all. And it's a lower body issue that he's been fighting with this year, which has made it very difficult to remain in shape, I would imagine. So if you're saying, yeah, just cut Russ, get rid of him. I don't even care anymore. I think that's probably a step too far in that direction because you have to factor in the players that the Lakers would then be leaning on. And I don't see anybody there who I would just 
comfortably and confidently put into a playoff setting and say, yeah, that player I know while he is out there is going to hold his own. That said, if none is going to be coming back and if the Lakers are confident that he is going to come back this year, um, and if the Lakers are able to add some player who can kind of fill in the gaps around those four other guards, maybe that's Avery Bradley. Like if it's just Bradley and you're just throwing him out there and saying, hey, play on infinite turbo while you're out there and and just come back to the bench and you'll get maybe 10 to 15 minutes every so often when those other four guys either don't have it, if they aren't available, or if we just need a spot stretch here, uh, and maybe Avery Bradley becomes your fifth uh, your, your fifth guard there. Uh, but, but I think if none, uh, is potentially coming back, which it seems according to some of the whispers here, uh, that he might be, then his minutes are going to get complicated because, you know, if, all right, if you're going to give Russ 30 ish minutes a night, which maybe, you know, ideally, and we'll get to that here in a bit, but ideally maybe you scale those minutes back. You give a few more minutes to Malik Monk. You give a few more minutes to Austin Reeves. But even then, you're still talking about Kendrick Nunn, especially as he gets healthier and gets his legs underneath him. If he's able to do that, then you know he's a, a, another player that the Lakers were getting ready to play 20-ish minutes a night. Just the, the numbers start to get very cramped here. And I think of all of the players that we have seen so far this year, the players that I think have deserved, earned, I guess, those minutes, Malik Monk, way far out ahead of everybody else, and then Austin Reeves, I would say. And then it's like Avery Bradley, THT, and Russell Westbrook all just kind of fighting off in the distance for whatever is left there. So if if none comes back, and if the Lakers are able to add a more reliable guard or another, you know, shooting guard slash small forward who takes some of those minutes also, then it gets really complicated there. And is Russ willing to accept the role that is maybe best for this team? I don't know. We'll wrap with this because I think this is basically where I'm at right now. Ideally, Frank is able to scale back Russ's role to a 25-ish minute-a-night player, maybe a 20 to 25-minute-a-night player. And on nights that Russ just doesn't have it going, Russ isn't closing out games. We have now seen two games here where the Lakers have benched him down the stretch, and I thought in both of those games it was the right move. And... Yet, every time that you do it is going to be a talking point. So you better win that game. This time, fortunately, against the Knicks, they did. And and to, again, Russ's credit, that's he all he said that mattered there was, look, communication, production, uh, demotion, all be damned. So long as we win, that's all I care about. And that was great to hear from Russ. Uh, all that said, if he is he willing to do that consistently, scale back that role, so that you can rely more heavily on more consistent players. Malik Monk has been the Lakers' third best player this year. He just has been. Uh, and and you know you want to you want to debate whether it's him or Melo, whatever. I I still think I still contend it has been Monk. And uh, after that, 
after Melo, I think then it's probably Reeves. And then I don't know how far down that list we get before we get to, to Russell Westbrook, but he surely hasn't played at a level commensurate with the expectations, you know, talking about the investment that they made on the guy and what they gave up to get him both directly and indirectly. And then also in terms of expectations of the role that he is demanding um, just by way of being Russell Westbrook. And look, LeBron said some very pointed things after that game, talking about, hey, you got to look at yourself in the mirror and you got to handle your business and do your job. And some of us haven't been doing that so far this year. LeBron is very passive aggressive. I think everybody was able to figure out who the hell he was talking to there. And if Russ is willing to accept that smaller role and allow some of the other guys to kind of flourish around him, fantastic. That is the ideal scenario here. And under those circumstances, it makes no sense to move him for a player in John Wall that you probably are not getting anything at all from this season. If he isn't willing to do that, though, and if you are getting Kendrick Nunn back, I think there is, at this point, the most viable claim that we have had all year that maybe, just maybe, the Lakers are better off without Russell Westbrook. The last point here is one that I want to make sure I include, and it's that it really does suck to see somebody who is a SoCal kid, or man, right, somebody who grew up in Southern California, probably grew up a Lakers fan, probably grew up idolizing Kobe, and it was probably a source of immense pride to have put on that Lakers uniform, the same uniform that Kobe wore, same uniform that Shaq wore if he grew up a fan of the three-peat Lakers, uh, the same uniform that Magic and Kareem and all these guys put on as his parents told him about Lakers fandom while he grew up. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure that finally donning that uniform had to be a really cool moment for him and a sense of immense pride when they could finally get underway and he could finally start bringing some of that pride uh, and turning that into production. Unfortunately, however, that just hasn't played out that way. And, and it really does, while I understand it, I understand where fans are coming from where he takes yet another bank shot after we have seen viral clip after viral clip after viral clip of that same bank shot uh, clanging off in hilarious fashion. And we have also seen him take ill-fated three after ill-fated three to the point where fans, in a way that I cannot say I have ever heard with a great player, uh, especially a homegrown great player, I have never seen that kind of a reaction from any fan base when it comes to that kind of a situation. You could say Josh Smith, but he's not going to be a Hall of Famer. Russ is. And the Lakers fans said extremely loudly, no, 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 when he went to shoot up the, shoot that three-pointer. And they booed him extremely loudly. He missed another layup, another smattering of boos. And I, I, don't, I don't know what to do there because I don't think that is getting any quieter if he continues to struggle clearly. And I don't know if, you know, if he's capable of doing what he needs to do to shut that up. I would love to be proven wrong on that last part. I would love to have the entire Lakers fan base at this point, which is very (laughs) loudly anti-Russ right now. Uh, I would love for all of us to eat a giant slice of humble pie and, and, you know, get to root for this guy as he 
drag, you know, helps this team win a championship. That'd be fantastic. That, however, is the kind of script that wouldn't even get passed in Hollywood right now because it doesn't seem very realistic. So I, I think on a very human level, I do sincerely feel for the guy. I really honestly do. It must be brutal for him and his family to be going through this right now. But that's what he kind of sort of signed up for also, right? He asked to be traded to the Lakers. He wanted this attention. Sometimes you find out you aren't ready for it. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown. Exciting, hectic, insane week ahead of us here as we get ready for the trade deadline. We've seen a couple of these trades already Coming to fruition over the weekend, we saw Karis LeVert get sent to uh, Cleveland for Ricky Rubio's expiring and a first rounder. Uh, again, not an overwhelming return for a player who, you know, yeah, his demand has kind of waned a little bit, but still somebody who might be one of the better players traded. And I didn't walk away from that deal saying like, oh my God, I can't believe what the Pacers were able to get for that guy. Uh, so, Maybe the prices are dropping and the Lakers can get in uh, these conversations to a more serious extent that they have been to this point. We'll see. If that is the case, you'll have emergency podcasts, emergency lowdowns that I'll record. Uh, we have some really cool plans that I'm hoping to be able to announce tomorrow uh, or uh, at the very latest Tuesday for what we're thinking about doing uh, in the hours, uh, both leading up to and on the other side of the trade deadline. So you're going to want to pay attention to that. And then all of us as hosts are going to react and respond to not just the trade deadline, but the basketball that the Lakers are going to be playing over the next few days as well. Cause that in, in, in a couple ways are, is going to paint what the Lakers might think that they're able to do, uh, by Thursday afternoon. That's going to do it for today. I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good one.